Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something epic. This is Paratruth Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we did have to skip last week. Eric and I were a little under the weather. So uh, last week we were going to be talking to John Michael Greer about his book. Um, what was it, Eric? The Twilight of Pluto. Twilight Astrology of Pluto. and the Rise and Fall of Planetary uh, Influences. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll be getting him back on to talk about that book as soon as we can. Um, this week we were supposed to be having on, uh, Ronessa Avila. Uh, it's actually two separate authors who co-authored this book. Um, and, uh, they had to reschedule with us. Um, it's a study of household spirits. So we're going to be getting them back on later in June as well. So tonight we thought, hey, you know what? Perfect time for a down the rabbit hole episode. Um, but before we get going, Eric, it's been over a week. How's it been going? It's been going good. It's getting warm over here in the uh, Northeast. So that's kind of nice, finally, to see some sunlight. Um, other than that, you know, just been keeping busy work and focusing on what comes next with the show yeah it's been getting warm in the north midwest as well so um thankful for that because literally three weeks ago we were buried in snow and now it's sunny and green it's really weird um it's weird but it's good (laughs) (laughs) well you know we're coming out of covid and then we're having this weird weather it really makes me question what what is going on. I I get we're kind of in a global global warming stage and um, Mother Nature is being kind of weird, and then we've got COVID and other stuff going on. But it's just weird. It's out of the norm from what I'm used mm-hmm. to. Absolutely. All right. So this week, um, something that I've been kind of thinking about i've seen two separate videos that talk about this and um eric i don't know if you'd found anything to go on to after we're done with these two topics if it doesn't go a full hour but um what happens when we die and we've talked about this numerous times but these two separate theories they kind of coincide with each other so i thought i would throw it out there Um, the first one is a a theory that someone had put out there. This was, uh, about 
three or four months ago, I saw this that you know when you die, um, there's really not an afterlife, but that you jump into an alternate reality of yourself. Now, Eric and I have talked about this extensively over the years about alternate realities and you know what does that mean. Um, but this theory basically kind of bases it off of any minute choice where the reality would have spit split. Um, you would be jumping back into one of those realities where that choice that you would have made, you're you're in that reality now. Um, and Eric and I have talked about how it's it might be more of the um, macro compared to the micro where reality splits itself. Um, but that does kind of throw a wrench in the works when it comes to what Eric and I talked about on a daily basis as far as paranormal activity, uh, what happens after you pass away, that sort of a thing. So the theory behind this is, is when you jump into the alternate reality, um, any type of paranormal activity that you might come across, ghosts, spirits, um, deja vu, those kind of things, can be explained by the fact that your memory is mem- remembering the choices from the previous life. And that is what's causing these ghosts or, or deja vu, if you will, because you've already gone through something similar in this alternate reality compared to um, the reality you were in. So what are some of your thoughts on that or, or reactions to that? Um, well, I was actually talking to, to my friend earlier about this because she had asked what we were talking, discussing about or what we were discussing tonight uh, since we had the cancellation. Uh, and so I brought this up. And, you know, one thing that's really interesting to me is the, I, I mean, the idea obviously is interesting enough to, to consider dying and then having to relive um, those moments in which you made a decision, but then making a different decision or the opposite decision. And we were kind of like bouncing the idea back and forth as to what, like what that really entailed. What did that mean? Was it, was it that we were actually reliving life? but everything was happening the opposite of what, how we lived our previous life, or were we going back to single moments and having a flashback of like, Oh, if you did this, this is what would have happened instead. Uh, and you know, it's kind of one of those things where it could have been either a blessing or a curse. If in that way, you know, if, if we die and all of a sudden we have this flashback where we're seeing everything, all the choices made and how they could have been different. Um, I think could be difficult in the sense that, if you realize, oh, if I'd made this other decision, it would have changed my life for the better, ultimately. And it's, that's, you know, that'd be substantially difficult to handle, realizing you screwed up and there's nothing you can do to change it. Uh, whereas if you were to relive the life entirely, then you would never know what your decision really was in the past. Unless you got these deja vu and you treated it as that. Now, I mean, most people will see deja vu and just, Chalk it up to that stage of vu. Um, but I think it could be significantly significantly impactful 
if we use things like, as we talked about in the past uh, several weeks here, um, like past life regression and start to learn mm-hmm. the type of things or lives that we lived so that when we do have deja vu, we can potentially change the outcome of what might have been uh, if we had some sort of significant idea as to what happened with the previous. And I think a lot of that would have to come up to one's own instinct uh, or sensitivity, because uh, I don't think you're going to simply remember like, oh, deja vu. That's right. I made this decision and this happened. I don't, you know, I don't think that's how that works. But, right. you know, it, it's still something that could be impactful and help somebody, uh, I, I suppose, better, better their life if they really wanted to. You know, if you were able to tap into that, I mean, and there's, there's some sort of evidence out there stating, or at least people claiming that you can through regression. Um, but whether or not that's even legit, you know, there's no hard scientific evidence to, to, to suggest that. Right. Well, I mean, there's no hard scientific evidence to say that there's life after death periods. (laughs) Well, sure. 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 I mean, except for what Um, we do. Well, no. And I, you know, and I think a lot of, you know, what we know about life after death comes from various religious texts, or it comes from one's own experiences with the quote unquote ghosts, um, you know, and what exactly all of it means. We don't know. It's, it's, you know, in the end, we won't know until we die and know, uh, and, you know, unless we hop into an alternate reality, we as... then we won't know the difference. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, obviously you can see there's, <laughs> there's a lot of issues with this theory, <laughs> but, you know, when, when we think about ghosts, you know, we often all, for some reason, we always think about ghosts as being the dead, you know, uh, a spirit mm-hmm. of the dead. Uh, that's just how, I guess that's how belief, you know, has come about. It's just how we see it. Um but I suppose there could be some who might say, well, you know, ghosts are maybe just figments of alternate realities that are bleeping, uh, blipping in and out of our existence. Or maybe if, you know, the matrix is real and this is all a simul- simulation, maybe those ghosts are actually what we're seeing, the people around us in the real world, in another galaxy, mm-hmm. in a spaceship, whatever, while we're in this simulation and we're just seeing that kind of come in and out as we fade in and out from reality and what this is, which is, according to the Matrix, just a f- figment of reality, a fake, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so those are def- definitely things to consider, but certainly not popular ideas by any means. No, for sure. Um, but as as late and maybe it's just I'm overthinking things, but I'll come to a particular moment and not have a sense of deja vu, but I'll I'll get what I call the spidey sense. Mm-hmm. And I could be driving um, or something significant happens and I'm like, Nope. Yep. I feel like I died just there and <laughs> skipped to the next reality. Um, not saying that's actually what happens, but um, that's kind of where this theory leads is. And I mean, scientists have theorized and both kind of concluded that there is a multiverse for, for, 
all extends per, uh, purposes that we there are multiple realities um it's not popular science it's but it but scientists of well renowned have come out and and claimed this um but like i said at the beginning there their theory is these are macro splits not micro splits like the nazis won world war ii and Mm. an alternate reality is we're living under nazi regime right now Mm um or a super volcano did uh come up in the yellowstone national park and now most of north america is nothing but slag and the rest of the world is suffering because of this super volcano those types of things compared to well i almost got hit by a car and i somehow uh averted that situation and now you have a situation where you averted death and you actually died in a micro situation mm-hmm. um so since doing pure truth radio has anything kind of changed in your mind as far as alternate realities or or alternate timelines i guess we should call them goes where they're they're it's more of a macro compared to a micro um i mean i i think if a multiverse exists it's possible that it splits in both directions so you have one that goes the macroverse way and the other that goes the microverse and the microverse was much more uh parallel to our own whereas the macro kind of goes off in its own direction um creating an entirely new reality whereas you know a micro might just change or alter slight variants of our current reality uh which could in the end spread out to something much bigger and different uh if we Mm. believe in the butterfly effect for example uh you know that's something to consider but yeah you know i don't know i mean i think it's hard to like fathom the multiverse. I think it's a fun idea to think that, uh, that there's a version of myself who is like, if I think of it as I'm the center and then the two other versions, one that is better, one that is worse, you know? Uh, but of course that makes you question a lot of stuff. Cause it's like, well, what if I'm the worst right now? Or what if I'm the best, you know, it's like, obviously there's a big, rabbit hole for this one that just a spiral that is you can go on uh i don't know you know i think it's i think it's a fun idea to to play with but i don't know if it's something to really focus on uh if one was to focus on it i no not to say there's anything wrong with focusing on anything but i feel like it would be more beneficial actually i'm not even going to say that I'm not going to say what I was about to say because I just <laughs> I immediately saw two ways that it can go. One is positive, one is negative. So because that negative oh, exists, we just, I'm just, we just skip split it. into a, a micro it, reality. Exactly, it could go in either <laughs> reality. But you know, there are some people who could take what I was about to say very differently. So I'm not going to say it. But you know, the point is, I I, I think it's important to consider 
whether you believe in a multiverse or not, that your decisions do have an impact one way or another. Uh, and depending on those choices, it can impact your life or other lives, either negatively or positively. And so that's something to be wary of. Uh, you know, it, it, one thing cause earlier you mentioned, like you've driven past a place and you thought, oh, I, I feel like I died here, right? Uh, the other day, I was driving home uh, at midnight while I was driving from my sister's house to my parents' house uh, to drop my other sister off. And as we were driving, a raccoon jumped out in front of the car and I had to slam on the brakes and swerve. And I was only doing 35, but regardless, mm-hmm. if I didn't swerve and slam, I would have hit it. So it's like, okay, that was a close call. Don't want to kill a little raccoon. Um, drive literally about three minutes down the road, turn onto another road. And as soon as I turn, another raccoon runs the opposite <laughs> direction right in front of the car. And I have to slam and swerve. And I'm just like, holy freaking you know, on my sister. She says, Oh my God, the matrix was her first (laughs) words. It's like he ran one direction and popped up, ran the opposite direction following us. But it was one of those things where like, by the time we got home and there was a deer on the side of the road too, at one corner, wasn't crossing the street, but still is like, "Mm, there's another animal where I thought, okay, I narrowly missed two murders of a raccoon. (laughs) I'm not chancing a third especially after having quite a few drinks and driving home after midnight, let's just stay at my parents tonight. Uh, and it was one of those, you know, the, those, those feelings, those, those deep suspicions or, you know, you can chalk it up to any kind of thing. It could, could be an instinct, could have been just simple worries, being worried and nothing might've happened, but it's mm. just, you know, you're overthinking it. But the fact is what would happen if I had drove home that night, could I have killed an animal or, worse right i wasn't drunk by any means but a deer hits a car at 60 plus miles an hour people have died <laughs> like yeah those are not small creatures to hit so you know I, I think making the right decision is often the one that is protective of yourself and those of around you those are the important ones to consider because those i think are going to have the least impact uh both on your life negatively and others so in that case, you know, I, I think that's more of a macro, you know, those type of decisions. Right. right. You know, a micro is like, oh, uh, you know, should I move this chair in this position or should I move it in that position? <laughs> you know? Well, micro in the sense of your own reality compared to the reality of the entire world is the way I think of it. Like, elaborate. Yeah, elaborate. Um, well, like, you're you're mentioning moving the chair one way or another, or like uh, thinking about your life and well, what if I wouldn't have gotten divorced that time, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. what if I wouldn't have broken up with that person? In the macro sense, would that have really affected the world that much? Probably not. In the micro, it would have affected your reality extensively. Well, that depends. Because, I mean, if you consider, a, let's just say, for example, a divorce, um, you know, maybe if you stayed with that person and he's had kids, maybe those kids grew up to become something very important to the world. And by breaking it off and getting divorced, you've limited that potential, you know? Uh, That's true. So I feel like in that case, it would be macro. So I, I think it's, you know, it's really 
based on situations. It's, it's all very situational. And obviously it's all very theoretical too, because you can't right. really know one way or another. Um, and that's not to say, you know, oh, this, this is horrible. You know, like I'm miserable. She's miserable. You know, this, this marriage is miserable. Everyone around us is miserable. We should stay together just in case we have a kid, we can have a kid and maybe they'll change life. <laughs> right. you know? That's, right. that's ridiculous. You know, if, if it's that bad, obviously there's a better choice here. And ultimately that's the one that's going to benefit again, you and everyone around you, because let's face it, people who go through divorces, they're not, not typically not only affected themselves, but it, people around them are usually sensing it. They're feeling it too. Um, now in terms of micro in my version, anyway, I'm thinking, you know, everything has an energy source, right? So, and I, when I think of an energy source, I think of it as like a, like a ripple, like a pulsing ripple. So there's a center and as it expands, it just gets bigger and bigger and they follow the ripples, follow each other. So there's always a new one. And if a chair is sitting in one spot for so long and you shift it, that chair could shift the energy being produced and therefore throw the ripple off course, wicked which in this case would create a butterfly effect and could ultimately affect something greater down the line. Now, again, that's pretty far out there in my own opinion, but still, you know, could it, could it affect that? And if that's the case, what if you turned it the opposite direction and it created a different, uh, you know, a, a different uh, distortion in the ripple mm. and that created maybe a more positive effect you know, those are the type of things where it's like, obviously you get severe migraines thinking about it. If you walk <laughs> through life questioning like, oh, did I uh, slam the door too hard? Is that going to ruin something in the future? You know, but I feel like something like this type of discussion can be broken down in such minuscule little details that people can easily expand into something superbly outrageous. Uh, right. So it's definitely when it comes to these conversations, I think it's, it's important to take caution on your own beliefs, let alone, you know, just the, the meat of the idea itself. Right. Well, the one thing that I, I couldn't stop thinking about thinking about this particular topic is the movie, the one. Okay. And share, I mean, essentially you're sharing a soul with multiple parts of yourself if it if you think of it from a multiverse experience you're sharing the same soul or or you're not sharing the same consciousness because it's not the you in in the one that you're in but i'm not saying you know you gain power by all of the alternate realities of yourself dying but uh hopping into a alternate reality of yourself as far-fetched as it may be would be oh what's the word i'm looking for not detrimental but um disorienting mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're remembering the reality that you are in compared to the reality that you wake up to um sure sure yeah, I mean, it, I would, I mean, and I've thought, dreamt about that so many times, like how cool it would be to just slip through various <laughs> realities, you know, and be like, oh, you know, or rewind time. Like, that's always like fascinated me. How do you rewind time? And nobody remembers it 
but you do, you know? Right. Um, and how does that work? Because if you're rewinding time, how is everybody else rewinding like physically, but you're not, you know, should there not be a separate version of you that kind of like detaches itself and it becomes part of, cause it's part of history. Right. So like every time you would rewind time, would there not be two of you? And if you rewind it over and over again, do you not just multiply the versions of you? And then how does, you know, it's, it's so weird. It's, it's a mind <laughs> F and it's, well, then you get into about it. the movie Butterfly Effect. You get into the movie Time Cop. Like, <laughs> yeah, for real. But you know what? To, to go on what you're saying regarding, um, like, the one, as you were saying, you know, can, can you, like, if you were to combine all these different versions of yourself, can you become the greatest version of yourself? And in a reality sense, that is something that can be done in a way, in my opinion. Uh, you know, uh, there's, when you think about meditation and you think about things like, uh, shadow work. I know I've mentioned mm -hmm. that to you once before, uh, shadow work is basically taking a deep look at yourself and realizing what are the negative aspects about you? You know, the truth, why do you feel this way? You know, why are you jealous of this? What is the truth behind that? You know, a lot of us, I think we come up with excuses as to why we're jealous or angry or frustrated or sad or whatever. Um, but we never dig deep enough to find the root of it. And I think what's interesting about this idea, because I don't believe we can truly merge ourselves or even interact with alternate versions of ourselves. But I think if we right now in our position, however you are at this very moment, can take the time to meditate on you and then also meditate on what would be a higher version of you, as well as a lower version of you, and take all that into consideration and start to balance it and realize, okay, these are the, like, this is who I am now. These are the things I could do that would make me less of a person. Let's not do that. Let's fix that right now. And can, you know, take a different route. These are the things that can make me a higher version of myself. Well, let's incorporate that into my life now. And then you start to build yourself up into that that version, that version that is supposed to be the higher self, you know, the, the most powerful version of yourself, because then, you know, both the good aspects, the negative and the neutral, and you use them together in combination, uh, to really make the correct decisions or the best choices that will, uh, I think empower you in a positive way for, for both yourself, spiritually, mentally, physically, but also for those around you. Now, obviously this isn't something I'm thinking like, all right, let's do all this and become a tyrant. Like that, you know, this is just to become uh, a better version of yourself, you know, right. other people excluded. Right. So the other part of this that I thought of, because I saw, again, I saw a video about it, um, was that when you pass away, you just go back to a certain part of your life to relive it. Um, and something that came to my mind is uh, the, the Greek belief of the Elysian Fields, where when you die, you go to the best part of your life and just live that for the rest of your eternity. Um, whereas this theory kind of more so go along the lines of 
the similar theory of the previous one of alternate realities, but you go into this life back to a certain point in this life, didn't specify if it was good or bad, and you relive it to continue your life from that particular situation uh, to make it better. Um, this one, like I said, it's kind of similar in the same aspects of the alternate reality one, but again, it talked about ghosts and, and um, paranormal activity and that sort of thing where you're reliving a certain time in your life where you would have perished, but you're continuing living. So the ghost that you're seeing is nothing more than past experiences coming to the forefront or people dying that you you remember being alive. Um, and in, in the reality where you, you died, you're, having that similar experience where people died but didn't in the one that you're living now or vice versa um it all of this is really weird to think about but um this one kind of goes along the lines of um reincarnation sort of uh instead of reincarnating into a different person, you're reincarnating into your same life. So that this one's even harder to think about because I don't know what my reactions would be differently if I relive the same thing. Yeah. Again. Well, I mean, I think this goes to multiple religions. Um, there there have been multiple religions that have spoken about something similar to this where you get to you know you, you live a whole life you die and then you're reincarnated to the to the position of your life that made the greatest impact negatively on yourself and those around you especially yourself now in this case this whole idea sounds like it's more of a uh learn to become a higher version of yourself you know it's something like buddhism for example where you constantly relive lives and uh, your life until you reach uh, achieve nirvana um that means going through the process over and over and over again learning from mistakes and so if you happen to live a whole life and you die and then you're reincarnated or pushed back or whatever to this one point in your life that changed everything you wouldn't know it but you would constantly relive it you would live through that whole portion of your life again all the way to death jump back if you didn't correct it. Do it again, jump back until you correct it. Didn't work, jump back to your credit. You would never know it, but eventually at some point, the odds are you would make a different decision. And at that point, it alters and you start to move your way towards that new path uh, and ultimately that sense of nirvana. Uh, and I think that's kind of what the idea is here is uh, based on what you're telling me is you're just reliving this moment until you make the right choice, the choice that's supposed to be beneficial to yourself. Um, and unfortunately, that's not something we can just tap into and learn immediately. It's something you just live over and over and over again until the right moment, you know, until something happens that you just decide to make a different choice. Uh, and that could be experiences that could be, you know, different situations that could be you know, all kinds of things. I feel like when that happens, you don't always jump back to the exact moment you made the decision, but you jump back to a similar situation in which you made the decision. So I think the surrounding 
um, world or whatever is slightly different each time, you're the same, but outside influence changes your overall approach, even minuscule. Well, you mentioned earlier the past life regression and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So that really even makes you question even more the the past life regression thing or past lives in general. Because um, we had had a guest on several months ago now about past life regression. And uh, she talked about how, you know, not everybody was queen of the Nile or not everybody was a king or queen. You know, there, there were people that um, had minute existences compared to that. So when it comes to past life experience regression, it's hard to, to, to figure out, you know, why are you not experiencing the more recent experiences? If you're, having this this uh happen where you die and go back to the life that you're in right now where it was a, a bad part of your life to make the better choice yeah i mean i think i think it's all so much more intricate you know um the question is I think, okay, so here's the thing. Like if, if you die, what are you going back to? Isn't it, is it an alternate reality entirely? Does that mean the people who are still living here in this reality or this realm or whatever exist in an alternate realm? And that's what you're going back to, or are you going back to the situation? All new people, all new location, same situation. And that's the big question, you know? And then it's like, what does that mean? You know, are we literally just jumping back to that moment or are we really jumping back to childbirth and living up to that moment? And that moment is what's important, you know? And of course it's, there's a lot of speculation as to which is which, you know, what happens and how many times do we meet somebody we're like, Oh, you remind me of so-and-so who passed away Mm -hmm. such and such long ago, you know, and you question, well, why? You know, there's people out there who believe, oh, it's the same spirit, you know, different identity, different look, different mannerisms, but similar. Uh, same with animals, you know, can't tell you how many people uh, I know who've said, oh, their cat reminds them of a dog. Maybe at one point that cat was a dog, <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you never know. Uh, or maybe they're just weird. I mean, cats are weird. So, uh but yeah you know i think it's one of those things where you know again i think it's really based situationally uh and it comes down to what your what your decision was at the time and how that decision can affect others and yourself and whether or not you can change it uh and again this goes back to the matrix thing because i think like all this discussion actually surprisingly relates back to the matrix because i feel like if that's the case, then we who are in a matrix in some other place are simply in this simulation as a test to train us to learn. And so every mistake we make, we go back and learn from it, even if we don't realize it until again, you get to that point where you successfully get through that situation and you're able to finally come out on the other side. Right. 
Um, it's like, why do we always see people who pass? There's, there's like been stories and stuff that when a person passes away, they go back to the body that they were most young and spry mm-hmm. and all that. Right. But in our studies, we don't see that happening. We see whoever died showing up just as they are older, younger, whatever, the same age. Um, and so if that's the case, like if, if, if there's no jump back, if there's no alternate reality and you were to die on this plane or in this simulation, what if what we're seeing on the other side is just those people we spent our lives with in the simulation who also exist on the chair or wherever we are, you know, they were just unplugged and are now free to live their lives in that new realm or the realm that we all exist. And they look the way they look because that's how they look in that other realm. And they grew up on the chair in the simulation until they die in the simulation. And then they're, they just continue living. Nothing changes. I don't know. I think the matrix is the best explanation for all of these theories. Really? Yeah. I'm for real. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Makes the most sense to me now. But, you know, back when the movie came out, it was nothing but science fiction. Well, sure. But, you know, I think also, I mean, the movie go, I think the movie expands on the idea of what mm. the matrix is in right. in the paranormal world, you know, because obviously the idea there is it's like unlocking, you know, it's like we have 10, we only use 10% of our own brain. That's what science tells us. Right. And so the idea of the matrix is that you learn to move beyond that, which we think we can't control. And if this is a simulation, then the idea is we have the full ability or capability to manipulate our atmosphere, our situation, everything, the energies, uh, because they're not real. It's just data. But what people don't realize is that that data, which is what differentiates the movie from reality, is coded or hardwired into the overall simulation. So it can't just simply be manipulated by the human mind there are highly advanced AI systems or computers that are controlling it and are then altering so that you can never, it's like, in, in, like, in my opinion, just as I'm thinking about it now, it's like continually changing itself and adapting so that nobody can actually tap into it. Uh, there's like a wall up and that's why we live the life we live. So we don't have these superpowers or anything like that or why it's not possible. Um, but again, I don't know. It's all, you know, speculation man it's theory dude that's what it is unless you become the one like jesus and then you break (laughs) the reality completely (laughs) oh there are those few individuals (laughs) those one individual that one um yeah you know i mean you know i don't know it's who knows i don't know you know like what is uh obviously i i know what my belief is in god but that doesn't refrain me from thinking beyond it, you know, or trying to right. like, what if there's, I don't know, consider it more or less of what God is, you know, if he exists in a world that is outside of the simulation and he just put himself into the simulation, you know, 
Well, the relatively idea is speaking, to... I mean, Christianity basically states there is a type of of matrix where the human soul comes into this particular matrix, quote unquote matrix or reality to experience the things that we experience and then move on to the next experience or to to heaven or hell or whatever you, you believe. Um so in reality we are just basically a avatar for the soul in a sense. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, that's exactly the truth. I mean, the scripture talks over and over again, like to take care of the, you know, the temple, which is the body. Um, but that in the end, it doesn't matter. The body is only there to allow you to experience what life holds here on earth. In the end, we're much higher than that. Uh, mm-hmm. Just slightly under the angels is what scriptures say, or just below them. And so, you know, that, that is certainly something to consider. And then obviously, if you're considering that, you have to question whether or not hell even exists, you know, who knows? That could just be a, a story to help drive people into trying to be their best version of themselves, you know, to right. reach that higher version or the, the version that is godly, uh, in a sense. Right. All right, folks. We are at about that point where we're going to hear Eric's Tournament Fact of the Day, a quick commercial, and we will be right back with Paratruth Radio. Now, Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Did you know that there exists a rare, wicked Bible that encourages adultery? According to TheGuardian.com, an extremely rare Bible famous for an unfortunate error that encourages adultery, has been discovered in New Zealand. The 1631 Wicked Bible, as it has become known, omits the word not from its seventh commandment, informing readers, thou shalt commit adultery. 1,000 copies of the text, which also came to be known as the Adulterous or Sinner's Bible, were printed with the error only discovered a year later. Upon discovery of the mistake, the printers Robert Barker and Martin Lucas were summoned by King Charles I and hauled before the court, where they were admonished for the scandalous typo and sloppy workmanship. They were stripped of their printing license had a 300-shilling fine held over their heads for years, and most of the texts were destroyed. Only about 20 remain in circulation today. This was Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested. 
through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. As always, my name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we have been talking about the matrix, alternate realities, jump backs in time, rebirths, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the crazy stuff that makes your mind hurt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's really much more to be said on this topic. I mean, I, we've, it's kind of been exhausted here. Uh, unless you have any other points you'd like to, 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 to drive or any other ideas of, that you might be thinking about. No, um, I, I think it was pretty much said before the break and, you know, throwing the matrix in there is, like I said, before break, I mean, it explains a lot, whether you think about the, the two theories that I was talking about, where you think of what Christianity or any other, basically any other religion talks about too, um, it, it is an explanation in the sense that we're living a reality that isn't necessarily real when it comes to the, the greater picture mm -hmm. of things. So, um, no, I, I think that, I think we've said all that can be said on that. Well, in that case, let's move on. <laughs> so this is fun. This is, uh, Normally I would normally I would consider using this as a random fact, but I thought it'd be more fun to just share this fact with you because something tells me you didn't know about this either, because I sure as hell didn't. And probably our listeners didn't either. And unfortunately, we're late. So and this is why. <laughs> this was published on May 3rd. So this is roughly a week or what's today? The so you know, close to a week ago. As of this recording, yeah. As of this recording, yes. So about a week and a half when you guys are listening. But May 3rd, 2022 at 5.07 p.m. on uh, this is, well, what is this? Wilkes 10, Channel 10. It's an NBC uh, news channel. I don't know where that is. I don't know what Wilkes is. Some, some city in the U.S. I think it's Michigan. <laughs> I could be wrong. I'm pretty. Oh, I think it is. It's Lansing, Michigan. Is Wilkes? Anyone from okay. Lansing, Michigan? Let me know if that's correct. Turns out that May third, that was a Tuesday, was National Paranormal Day. I did know that. Yeah, you did know that. Okay. Well, did you know these facts? Because apparently they released some. Uh, actually, it's just one fact that has four. You'll see. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> According to slotsource.com, there are four states in the ranking as to having the highest ghost sightings in the U.S., at least. Maybe the world. I don't know. I think it's the U.S. So our top four states for ghost sightings is number one, Texas, at 6,845 sightings total. California, 6,444, comes in at number two. The heart of the country, Ohio, believe it or not, comes in at number three at 2,555, and Michigan at 2,426 
ghost sightings. These are the top four most reported ghost sightings in the country. In a year or altogether? I have no idea. It doesn't say that. So, <laughs> Well, I feel that's pertinent information. <laughs> you would think they would they would elaborate on that a bit but uh either way i thought it was really interesting you know to to, to consider i mean i think it's kind of cool especially to have ohio as in the yeah. top four for the ranking for for sure um but i have to question like I, i'm curious as to why texas comes in at number one like what is happening in texas folks that there are 6845 reportings well, if you is think it just because everything's bigger history. there, and so ghosts are more popular? <laughs> I don't. If you think about history, well, I mean, the U.S. as a whole, the history of the U.S. is nothing but a bloody mess. Um, hmm. As far as when we when Europe Europeans came here, um, the war with the Native Americans and slaughtering Native Americans, as we moved west. And went into the old West with Texas, the the um, not war, but the fighting that happened in the Midwest from Texas on up. Um, you also have the the Alamo and all of that stuff that happened there. Uh, I mean, you would think the the eastern side of the US would be would have more just because there is more history there compared to the the midwest or the the old west is more recent in history than than that um so i i guess my explanation is possibly more more uh negativity and death happened in Texas or, or that general area compared to certain areas of the U S like, I can't even believe California is number two. Well, I mean, Californians do a lot of drugs, so it's, <laughs> I don't know. And if possibly it it's on a fault line because of the earthquakes too. That's maybe. true. Yeah. Well, you know, and this is the thing. It's just, um, uh, this, this is according to the most reported sightings. So, you know, does that mean that these places have the most paranormal activity? Not necessarily. It's just the most reported. Uh, there could be other states it. that have significantly higher activity that isn't reported. And then that's, I think, where it needs to be broken down, which I have no idea how to do that. But, you know, if we were able to figure out why somebody reports something uh, or as to why somebody doesn't, that might help us understand uh, the significance behind this these statistics well open-mindedness of the state is a huge part of it now mm -hmm. texas in my opinion comes off as a very conservative conservative state just because a lot of southern states are very conservative doesn't mean north aren't um but california is like as liberal as you can come as far as uh states of mind so to me, it, it does make a little bit of sense as far as people reporting it. Um, they're not going to be a, be ridiculed compared to other areas of the U.S. So I guess that in that train of thought, it that I guess that does make more sense. Okay. Um, 
but you, we had Ohio. What was the last one? Michigan. Michigan. I mean, I guess Ohio and Michigan, they're kind of sister states in a sense. So they've always had a mix between conservative and liberal trains of thought. I don't know. Yeah, I just thought it was an interesting tidbit. And of course, this is primarily ghost sightings. I'd imagine Ohio would be ranked slightly higher if we included cryptid sightings. Um, Might even take the number one spot. Who knows? uh, Between Michigan and Ohio. But Ohio, you know, having the Loveland Frogman, the Dogman, the the Bigfoot sightings, um, or Yeti sightings, whatever you want to call them. There's a lot happening in Ohio. Yeah. Um, Not to mention, technically, you can even throw in uh, uh, the Mothman, who sits right on the border right. of West Virginia and Ohio. The Melonheads. Uh, the Melonheads. It's not the Grassman, but it's it's basically a, a Bigfoot that has greenish fur due to it living in the marsh where's areas the of Ohio. Okay, but where's the grass man? It's in Ohio, but I can't remember. It is Ohio. Where. Okay, I was going to say. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> could be wrong. I thought it was um, but yeah, a lot of cryptids in Ohio. I mean, compared to where I live now in North Dakota, where we've got some, but not <laughs> nothing compared well, to Ohio. You know what? Yeah. So, so states like North Dakota, South Dakota, Utah, things like that, where there's much more space and much less dense areas, uh, people are not going to see some of these cryptids that might exist because they're just not as, you know, spread out or as concentrated as places like Ohio or Michigan, California, Texas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, despite the fact that there are areas in Ohio in this case that may be lightly populated especially in the uh like the like the uh the southeast and mm-hmm. southwest areas right. of Ohio where there's much more grasslands Southern, and yeah. a lot of crop corn and things like that uh but when we're talking about most of these creatures in Ohio these are in densely populated areas for the most part so that i think would be the biggest cons- thing to or not a concern but the biggest issue with with big states like North Dakota for example is just it's so wide. There's so much flat land and just people who aren't out there seeing these creatures. Also, though, it's certainly reasonable that because there isn't a whole lot of forestry or water even in that case in North Dakota, <laughs> right. that, you know, it doesn't seem reasonable for a cryptid to be hanging out if there's nowhere to hide, you know, who knows? Well, in in the time that I've lived in North Dakota, there has been a Bigfoot set reported Bigfoot sighting, and then um, I had mentioned this. I want to say it was on our three hundredth episode, but recently about the uh, Devil's Lake uh, serpent monster that mm-hmm. is supposedly out there in Devil's Lake, um, but we've. Go ahead. Sorry, never mind. Finish, finish what you're about to say, then I'll ask. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, there there have been a lot of UFO sightings here, especially because uh, there are uh, military bases that are relatively close, to, to especially to Bismarck. Okay. Uh, my question was going to be, how? where is Devil's Lake? 
Because I know we've taught we've, we've brought this up a couple of times, but I forget the location. Um, Devil's Lake is northeast of Bismarck. Um, not, not right by the North Dakota border, or I'm sorry, the Canada border, but it's kind of like in between Bismarck and the Canada border and midway between Fargo and Bismarck. So if you think Bismarck is technically central south and mm-hmm. Fargo is about as far east as you can go in North Dakota, um, midway there and northwest, this is going to get very complicated, of Grand Forks because Grand Forks is north just north of Fargo. So if you go west of Grand Forks, that's where Devil's Lake is. It's kind of midway-ish in between. So you're looking at about an hour outside, hour west of Bismarck. Uh, or northwest. Northeast. East, um, sorry. Yes, northeast. Yeah. Um, it'd probably be about technically a three-hour drive because you have to go east and then north. Oh, well, how, wait, how far is Fargo driving? Fargo's about three hours and 45 minutes. Oh, really? Why did I think it was only like two hours? Or I take that back, two hours and 45 minutes, so about okay. three hours. But because of the way that North Dakota is set up, as far as territory, it's kind of a long drive no matter where you I go. see, I see. Good thing about North Dakota. There's not a lot of people and a lot of fat land, so we could just make our own right. road. <laughs> and well, much and no way. snow. Yeah, no snow is a huge factor, too. <laughs> so while you're in North Dakota, we could essentially go. That's to where I was getting. <laughs> I, I was working my way there slowly, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it would be cool to 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 visit Devil's Lake just because it's one of the only known areas to have a some type of cryptid activity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of lost my train of thought. Um, but it it is interesting where in Ohio you, you have the more densely populated areas and, and you have m- more sightings but at the same time maybe there are more things in that area compared to out here because north dakota i mean as you said is nothing but flat land so there's really Mm -hmm. no place to hide except for water (laughs) or if you go more west towards the badlands where there's canyons and stuff like that so right yeah, it's interesting because I think you know whenever we do studies on cryptids, and I think most people, I think the the I can't think of the best word here. Not amateur. I feel like anyone who is like an investigator or studies the paranormal, there's they're just amateurs don't exist. Like if you're studying it, you're studying it. You're a scientist mm, in the paranormal. Right. That's how it works. You're either beginning um, or you you've been doing it for years, basically. Right. But the difference is that people who are just starting out when they're looking up cryptids, they're typically only seeing the results of the most popular cryptids. Those are the ones that show up on right. the internet database. Right. So, you know, if, if you're digging deep, it just, I mean, I'm, 
obviously this isn't just a conversation between you and I, but for those of you who are getting into cryptid uh, lore and stuff like that, try to spread your search, uh, especially in the search engine, because many times if you look up, for example, cryptids in North Dakota, you may get one or two and that's it. But if you do the work and dig deeper, you might find a handful more that are a whole lot less common, as is the case in many, many states. Um, you know, one, one thing that I do like about many of the paranormal face group, uh, Facebook groups that at least I'm in is I'm always learning about these new cryptids that I've never heard about. And these are cryptids that are more, uh, again, they're smaller, less known, uh, and therefore, you know, have very little detail about them, very little description. But it's right. something that's really fascinating because I know that's something you and I like doing is covering some of these lesser known cryptids. Because let's face it, everybody knows about Bigfoot. Everybody knows about the Loch Ness Monster or the Dog Man, you know, and things like that. Uh, but getting into these smaller characters uh, is definitely much more fascinating, in my opinion. I'll bet a whole lot harder to find <laughs> true descriptions on. Right. Well, like you're saying, expanding your search, expand by region instead of say state. So mm. like mm. Eastern U.S. or Midwest cryptids or stuff like that, you will probably find a, a more in your state than you realize mm -hmm. in that type of search compared to cryptids in Ohio. Right. For sure. Well, with that being said, I think that leads us into who our guest is going to be next week. And that is Richard Freeman. And he wrote a book called In Search of Real Monsters. Uh, this is volume two in his Adventures in Cryptozoology series. And I mean, the interesting thing about cryptozoology, which is where we get cryptids from, is that this can be creatures that actually already existed, but we thought were extinct. Mm -hmm. And well, that's... And I, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I think that's highly fascinating because actually over the last several years, there have just been multitudes of creatures showing up that were previously extinct, uh, which I think is really cool. There, there was a... I think it was in Africa recently that I just saw. There was a cat of some sort. I'll have to look it up because I've never heard of it before. Uh, but it's mm. a wild cat that was supposedly missing for the last five years. It was just off the charts. People thought it extinct, was extinct, and it just showed up all of a sudden out of nowhere. One, which is really exciting, um, because I, you know, it, in two, I think it's twofold. It's exciting because one, it goes to show that some of these animals are more persistent than we think. They're just mm -hmm. really good at hiding, uh, and people aren't as smart as they think thinking they can find right. them uh and two it reminds us that if cryptids do exist true cryptids um you know the monsters that we all like to tell scary stories about may also exist as well right well uh just think of the thylacine the tasmanian tiger um which mm -hmm. i believe is going to be covered in this book i haven't uh read it yet but that that's one that is has been speculated going back to when I was a kid even that was extinct and supposedly there were sightings, but nobody could verify for sure that it was a true thylacine. 
Right. Yeah. There, I've seen videos of them, uh, like caught on camera, just snippets mm-hmm. of them. And you can right. see the stripes, but yeah, there's just isn't enough to really say. And of course, these videos are usually black and white, you know, shot on IR cameras or something like that. Grainy, so right. They're hard to see. Um, right. Plus, it's in very dense areas. But nonetheless, that they are seen in populated spots late at night, occasionally on rare occasion. Uh, and, you know, it, again, it's just one of those things where, you know, you may not see them, you may not think they're alive, but they're watching. And if that's the case, what the hell else is watching? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, make sure you're checking out next week where we will have Richard Freeman on to talk about In Search of Real Monsters. Uh, make sure you're checking out Evergreen Podcasts and the Umbrella uh, website that we're under, which is uh, killerpodcast.com. Uh, make sure you ch- check out paratruthradio.com. Um, apparently now, which is kind of interesting, um, on iHeartRadio, you can now leave a voice message for any of your shows that, like even radio shows that you can, uh, uh, that you listen to, which is something that Eric and I discovered doing paratruth.com with a pod page where you can leave us a voicemail or a voice message and we can even share it on air. And let us know what you think of the show. Um, give us topics to discuss. And we would love to to discuss anything you guys bring up on your voice messages. So make sure you check out paratruth.com. Or if you're not into the voice message thing, uh, we do have the contact page there where you can just message us via the message page and we'll get it by email. Um, any other housekeeping stuff you can think of there, Eric? no i think i think we're pretty solid right now you know we're moving we are moving well we're going to be moving through may very fast here so we're going to be getting into the some summer stuff here uh which is kind of exciting uh but also in july jess and i are going to be together again so we'll be doing some in-studio work um recording together that'll be that's always a lot of fun and hopefully we'll get some good stuff to you guys too. Cause you know, when, when I'm out there, we're doing some paranormal investigations, hopefully go on a cryptid hunt. Uh, and that'll all be things for you guys to look forward to. Hopefully some, uh, paramyxologies where we actually capture the audio or do just do voiceover work on the stuff that we did and ended up getting the audio for. Um, but, uh, yeah, check out all the great things coming for paratruth radio. Uh, evergreen podcast and killerpodcast.com until next week folks where we will find you same time same channel my name is justin and i'm eric peace this is
In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. 